Hello and welcome to this episode of the Peace of Mind podcast, hosted by the National Centre for Mental Health, also known as the NCMH. We're a research centre made up of Cardiff, Bangor and Swansea universities, and together we are looking into the causes and triggers of mental ill health diagnoses. I'm Ellie Short and I'm the Communications Officer at the NCMH. Today we're going to be discussing premenstrual dysphoric disorder, or PMDD, with Chloe Apsey and Becky Smart. Chloe is a research assistant working on the research project that looks into PMDD at the NCMH. Becky is a menstrual health advocate and patient representative who has campaigned for PMDD awareness for many years. Thank you both for joining me today. Chloe, could you set the scene and sort of tell us what PMDD actually is? Yeah, so PMDD is a mood disorder where people experience um, emotional, behavioural and physical um, symptoms a week or so before the onset of their menstrual bleeding. So this is known as the luteal phase. These symptoms then begin to subside within a few days of bleeding onset. Um, so the research suggests that around 5% of people with periods um, experience PMDD, but there's a little knowledge out there. So there could be greater numbers than this, we're not too sure. Um, so the diagnostic criteria for PMDD includes symptoms such as depressed or severe low mood, increased anxiety or tension, mood swings and marked irritability. There are more symptoms outlined in the criteria um, and these may present differently for each individual. But regardless of the symptoms experienced, these symptoms are extremely severe and they do interfere with many aspects of that person's life. Um, Unfortunately, there's not been many definitive answers of what causes PMDD. Um, although we know it is associated with the hormonal changes of the menstrual cycle, we know that it's not an abnormal, like the hormones are how they should be, so to speak, but it's a severe negative reaction in the brain to this normal fluctuation in progesterone and estrogen. Um, for those who already have an existing diagnosis of another disorder, they may also experience worsening of symptoms associated with that disorder or additional ones. This is referred to as premenstrual exacerbation, sorry, so PME, rather than comorbid PMDD. So PMDD is kind of, it's not a worsening of a condition that's already there. Um, and it isn't associated with any sort of hormonal abnormalities. So... Yeah, from an academic standpoint, there's a lot of controversy around the terminology and definitions surrounding PMDD. Um, so in the DSM-5, which is the American um, Psychological Association's definition of it, it's recognised as a psychiatric disorder and has been since 2013. Um, the ICD, which is the International um, Diagnosi Diagnostic Manual, sorry, um, they only added it as its own thing in 2022 and it's been recognized as a gynecological issue so this kind of contributes to this greater confusion in research but also from who's treating these patients there's there's a lot of arguments between whether it should be psychiatrists or gynecologists when in reality it probably better if it's a combination of the two um and these are the type of things that research can really help to sort of unmuddle Right, okay, so it does sound like there is quite a lot of grey area surrounding PMDD then. So Becky, I'm going to come over to you now. Could you tell us a bit more about yourself? 
Um, yeah, I'm 36 years old. Um, I was diagnosed with PMDD in 2019, um, but I've actually lived with PMDD since I was 14 years old wow. um, when I first started my periods. Um, in total, it took me about 18 years to receive a correct diagnosis. Um, I kind of spent 18 years being misdiagnosed um, and gaslit by the medical community. Um, I was diagnosed as having depression, anxiety disorder, um, post-traumatic stress disorder, dismissed as being a troubled teen from a broken home, told I had postnatal depression, um, bipolar disorder, emotionally unstable personality disorder, and kind of an array of other um, mental health disorders until um, after my daughter was born in 2018 and I got to crisis point after she was born um, and said to my husband um, one month I'm generally not going to make it to see you know till next month yeah Um, and and it was in 2019 at that point and he dragged me to the doctors and said I'm really worried for my wife. You know, I don't think she's going to make it to next month. Help. <laughs> yeah. Um, and my doctor spoke to me. Um, she spoke to my husband and she was, you know, kind of piecing bits together one by one. Um, and she just said to me, have you ever had a point in your life where you've not had these symptoms? And I said to her, yes, when I've been pregnant. And she was like, wow light bulb moment for her and yeah. she was just like and you for you too I think at that point it, I think in that moment it was a light bulb moment for her and she was like you've not yeah. got any of these other conditions you've got severe PMS and I was like <sighs> quite deflated at that time because I was like yeah but everybody gets that and I was quite dismissive of her because I was like you know I'd gone through 18 years of being gaslit by the medical community, you know, when I'd been explaining my symptoms, being told, you know, it's just PMS and everybody who menstruates gets PMS, you're just being really dramatic about your symptoms. So when she kind of said to me, it's just, you know, it's severe PMS, I was just like, yeah, but everybody gets that. That's what I've been told for the past 18 years don't fob me off again kind of thing um but as she kind of went on to explain that you know you shouldn't be feeling suicidal in your run-up to your period I was like ah um I am feeling suicidal in the run-up to my period you're telling me that's not normal yeah um and she kind of sent me away with this information and I you know I went home and googled it and it come up with PMDD and I was like um okay maybe I'm experiencing something that's not normal but I kind of didn't really want to believe that it wasn't normal because I'd spent the past 18 years being told that I was being overdramatic um, and I'd been gaslit and everything else and, you know, misdiagnosed. And I kind of, I think mentally I'd been so pushed down by the medical community that I didn't want to believe what I was being told was true. Um, so I think it took quite a while to believe that this diagnosis I'd been given was accurate. Um, but by that point I'd gone through every treatment possible my GP could give me, um, plus more cause I'd been heavily medicated with antipsychotics and mood stabilizers that aren't 
um, recommended for PMDD that my GP had said to me, I'm going to have to refer you to gynecology now. There's nothing more I can do for you. Um, and I think it was at the point that, you know, she also referred me back to my psychiatrist so my psychiatrist could kind of validate the diagnosis as well. My my psychiatrist was just like, yeah, your GP's right. Yeah. Um, and I think at that point it kind of did start to sink in and I was like... I've lost 18 years of my life here and I got really, really angry. Um, and that's when I thought, okay, something needs to change. There's 18 years of my life that have just been wasted because nobody wanted to listen to me. Nobody wanted to listen to my mum when my mum was shouting and saying, something's not right with my daughter. This is all linked to her menstrual cycle. Um, and everybody was following my mum off and saying, yeah, but this is normal. You know, this is what people that menstruate go through. Um, and I become really quite angry about it. Um, and it's got to the point now where I'm in a chemically induced menopause because nothing else has helped. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of at the, the last stages of treatment now. My next stage is to have um, everything out, you know, my ovaries, my uterus, because nothing else has helped. Um yeah, so that's me. <laughs> Got my life history there. <laughs> no, it's really interesting that you say actually that you were referred to a gynecologist and also a psychiatrist at the same time. Um, I suppose it sort of reminded me of what Chloe mentioned about how there's a difference in how it's perceived. So mm -hmm. is it a gynecological condition or is it a psychiatric condition? And I suppose that's where research is needed more to to help make those distinctions so that potentially GPs will be able to spot it sooner and just to be aware of it really when they see patients absolutely I definitely think there's this um I I was very lucky with the GP I saw um and I think if I'd have seen any other GP that day I wouldn't have been so lucky um and at the time, I was still under the care of the mental health team, which is why my GP sent me back to my psychiatrist. You know, if right. I hadn't have been under the mental health team at the time, I wouldn't have been so lucky to see my psychiatrist or see a psychiatrist. But we definitely have that lack of joined up care um, within the PMDD community. And that's something that we so desperately need, you know, um, 30% of people with PMDD are going to make an attempt on their life. Um, you know, there's this... We don't know how many people are going to be successful in, you know, ending their life. But the rate of suicidality in people with PMDD is, you know, exceptionally high. And we need this joined-up care, you know. Okay, it's our hormones that are causing the issue um but it doesn't take away from the fact that it's causing these problems with our mental health um and we need that support from the mental health team you know our gps aren't equipped to deal with our mental health problems that we have gynecologists you know gynecologists aren't equipped to deal with us phoning up each month and saying i feel suicidal Mm. GPs aren't equipped to deal with that. We need that added support and that added safety net from psychiatrists who are equipped to deal with those problems that we have. And there is that lack of support there for us that we desperately need. 
Yeah. Um, you know, I was lucky I had that in the beginning, but as soon as I got my diagnosis, that was taken away from me. Yeah. Um, and it's something that we, you know, we so desperately need. And I think also it's knowing the difference between when you feel hormonal and you're experiencing PMS symptoms to think, hang on, this doesn't feel normal. Yeah. What's the difference between just PMS or is it something more serious? I think it's really difficult because um, PMS is kind of universally accepted by society. And growing up, um, and when I was in school, PMS was kind of ingrained in me as this rite of passage to womanhood. You know, you felt a bit teary before your period. You felt a bit bloated. You felt a bit um, lethargic or a bit weepy. But no one ever ever talked about that severe end of the spectrum where you know you felt suicidal um and no one ever ever talked about how feeling suicidal before your period was not normal or how you know if you chased your brother around the house with a hairbrush you know beating him which is something (laughs) I did you know that wasn't a normal thing to do yeah um and you know if I'd have known things like that, then I'd have known that, you know, it wasn't normal. Um, but no one ever, ever explained the severe end of the spectrum. And because PMS is so universally accepted by society, I mean, even now, you know, if a woman's feeling a bit snappy, everybody jumps to the, oh, she must be due her period. You know, it's just this, it's it's an accepted, you know, in yeah you know it's an accepted thing to say isn't it even though it's not and we shouldn't do it it kind of is yeah but if a woman's feeling suicidal no one will say is it because you're due your period yeah no one will you know think oh my gosh is it because her period's due? Or put the two and two together. No one will think to connect the dots. Yeah. Um, and I think we really need to start doing that. Yeah. Um, we need to start talking about it in schools. You know, we just need to start having these open conversations. Yeah, I think with friends and family as well. And on that subject how have you found the support from your friends and family once you had the diagnosis? Um, it's been interesting. Um, you know, my mum, my grandma, there was just like the validation from them as well. You know, oh my gosh, we were right this whole time because, you know, they were, they knew instantly the minute I started my periods that it was linked to my hormones so for them it was like almost this validation that yes we were right you know as much as it was for me um I think I think it was kind of different for the men in my family because maybe I I didn't see my dad a lot when I was growing up um I see him you know my parents are back together now um so I think for him it was kind of different because he didn't have to deal with that side of me when I was a teenager so I guess for him as an adult I'm kind of he 
me the way I am is, you know, just all he's ever known, I mm. guess. So for him, it's just, yeah, well, that's just how she is, I guess. So um, my brother, I, I don't know, <laughs> you know, I guess it's kind of been like, well, that's the reason she chased me around the house with a hairbrush. <laughs> um, so, and my sister, again, she just kind of lets it all go over her head. You know, that's just my sister. And well, hey, that's just the way she is. And it's great. Um, and my kids are just, you know, they just accept me for who I am. I don't think for my kids, they would have me any other way. You know, I'm just mum. And they've just had to adapt. Um, and I think, if I didn't have PMDD, and I say this to absolutely everybody, you know, the fact that I've got PMDD absolutely does not make me a bad parent. Yeah. And I think that's, there's such a stigma attached with having PMDD and with having any mental health condition, you know, everybody automatically jumps to the conclusion that it's going to make you a bad parent. It absolutely doesn't. Um, if anything, for me, I think it makes me a better parent because I have to adapt my life um, and my kids grow up to see the worst parts of me, but they also get to see the best parts of me. And if I didn't have PMDD, my kids wouldn't be seeing those emotions that I feel and they'd grow up not seeing someone who's suicidal each month. And they wouldn't know how to handle that. You know, yeah. my kids are the reason that I, I live. Um, and they're also the reason that I, um, well, they're not the reason that I experience the suicidal thoughts. That's, that's the wrong thing. But they're the reason that I, I come out of feeling suicidal. They're the reason that I choose to live. And they're the reason that I choose to want to continue living. You know, they're the reason that I'm pulled out of that dark place. Um, and they know now, you know, if they see someone in crisis, they know how to help them. Yeah. Um, and if I didn't have PMDD, they wouldn't know what to do. Um, so having PMDD, you know, and, and to anybody that's out there listening now, if you've got PMDD, don't for one second think you're a bad parent because you're absolutely not, you know, you're a phenomenal parent. Um, because there's such a stigma attached to that and you know there shouldn't be no exactly and I think that so much of the work we do at the NCMH that's looking into PMTD involves going to events and talking to people about menstrual health and menstrual mental health more specifically and asking people like you said have they made a connection between their mental health and their periods and I suppose even sometimes just saying the word period and having a conversation about periods, it makes you realize that there is still so much of a stigma attached to that. And so with that in mind, Chloe, could you tell us a bit more about the research that's already out there that's looking into PMTD? What's the landscape looking like at the moment? So there's been a bit of an increase in research. There's a bit more interest around the topic now. Um, I think what Becky really sort of beautifully described is I think there's a lot more to be captured about PMDD like a lot of the research comes at it from a very objective um perspective not considering the sort of internal struggles and the fact that like how severe it is and I know something we really tried to do is capture the experience of as many people as we can 
from all different stages in you know in the diagnostic process whether they have just started experiencing symptoms or and have never spoken to a medical professional about it in their life or you know they've gone through years of it and have now gone through treatment or through the menopause and have kind of come out the other side um we want to hear everybody's experience so we've tried to sort of adopt a very um public involvement approach and ask people like becky to be involved because at the end of the day the people living with the condition are greater experts of it than most of us researchers who are just looking at a, a bog standard diagnostic criteria um but yeah i think that's that's the one thing that the research isn't sort of doing is opening up the the floor a little bit more to the people living with it i know that um there's been a new sort of treatment manual coming out um which is really good you know it's it's a lot there's a lot more information in the last few years than there has been in the past yeah i mean i totally agree taking a public involvement approach to research and really emphasizing the involvement of people with lived experience of PMTD is so important and so could you tell us a bit more about what taking part in the NCMH PMTD research entails and how could someone get involved if they wanted to? Yeah so at the moment we have just got an online survey it's um we ask about yeah personal um demographic information, mental and physical health history, also gynecological history, um, and yeah, experience with PMDD and, and maybe with GPs and things like that. Um, we also invite some participants to fill out a mood monitoring diary for two months. The reason why we do this is because the with PMDD, the diagnostic criteria for it specifies that you need two months of daily mood monitoring um which is just like symptom ratings basically to like aid with the diagnoses this is something that not a lot of research has sort of done they ask people prospectively um, retrospectively sorry um about their symptoms rather than trying to capture them while they happen so we kind of wanted to take that like take this opportunity to try and get some information from people who are living with the condition um about how their symptoms may look on a day-to-day basis i think we can learn like a massive amount from that um we also invite a subset of participants to give a genetic sample so the cool thing with genetics is that it doesn't change regardless of whether you experience symptoms or not or you've been treated or whatever they're the same throughout your lifetime so from that we can start looking at different genetic markers and see if we can recognize any sort of similarities or differences in, from the genetic standpoint between other mood disorders um which could you know it's been done by our research team more recently with um bipolar and postpartum psychosis they managed to sort of recognize postpartum psychosis as its own diagnosis based on the different genetic markers with that than bipolar so we're hoping to do similar things um with PMDD and just use it as an opportunity to learn a lot more and hopefully find ways to help people identify it or get diagnosed with it quicker. Yeah, exactly. And I think going back to what Becky said, that is, I suppose, one of the most important things to do now, knowing that you have that diagnosis, is to help other people or help GPs be able to identify it more 
earlier on. So, so Becky, can I ask what what made you want to take part in the PMDD research at the NCMH? Um, lots of things. <laughs> <laughs> I think research is, you know, really, really important. And for me, um, this was the only study I knew about that was taking part in the UK. Um, And it came up on IAPMD's... um, IAPMD? Yeah, Yeah. that's right. (laughs) (laughs) It came up on IAPMD's um, Facebook page and I jumped to the chance of taking part um so um I filled out the online thing um and then there was the opportunity to become a research champion which I am (laughs) (laughs) um and then um there was the opportunity to do the spit test the genetics test which I've done um and really you know for me it's all about you know furthering the research you know if there's the um early diagnosis chances um then you know I'm all for things like that you know the way I see it is you know it's not going to change my diagnosis you know how long it take took me to get diagnosed but equally if it's going to change the fact that or there's the chance that it could change you know, my daughter being diagnosed early or, you know, if she has children, if there's going to change the fact or the possibility that they could be diagnosed early, I'm all for things like that. You know, I generally wouldn't want anybody to go through what I went through because I went through 18 years of hell. Yeah. Um. So any research, I'm all for. And, you know, I think the work that they're doing here is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, And, you know, I really hope I'm around, you know, in years to come to be able to see the results. Because, you know, it's just incredible, you know, and, you know, I'm all for it. And, you know, if anybody out there is listening that wants to take part, just do it. (laughs) Do it. That was going to be my next question, but you've already answered it. That's great. Um, and lastly, um, what advice would you give to someone who thinks that they might have PMDD or I suppose is is questioning whether how they feel is normal or is it worth going to the doctors? I think if you're questioning whether what you're feeling is normal, then it's probably not. Um, I think that's always indicator that something's possibly not right um track your symptoms always always you know track your menstrual cycle track your symptoms alongside your menstrual cycle absolutely cannot stress that enough you know even if your periods seem normal and you're not having any symptoms that seem out the ordinary just track your symptoms alongside you or just track your menstrual cycle because anything can go awry at any possible time and yes go badger your doctor every week every day every month if something seems out of the ordinary just go and do it if you're not happy with the answer one doctor gave you go and see another one and another one and another one and another one because you know doctors are just generally poorly equipped 
equipped to deal with PMDD. They just don't get enough training. I think it's something like 15 minutes on average on menstruation. So just go back and badger them and badger them and badger them because they probably haven't been taught about PMDD and that's something we are looking to change slowly but surely. But go armed with information on PMDD, on PME, and just take everything with you. Take two months worth of um, symptom and cycle tracking stuff. Just take everything, everything you can find. Go armed with information. Take someone with you, a partner, a parent, a friend who knows what you're like. Just take everything. And don't leave until you feel confident in the answers you've been given. I just wanted to add to that as well. Um, I, we've spoken about, we've mentioned IAPMD quite a bit in just conversation, but IAPMD is a charity that they have a lot of amazing resources online. So like what Becky was saying about um, tracking your symptoms, I know on their resources page, they're really nice, like downloadable PDF or, or that you can get printed off. Um, where you can track your symptoms and I think they also have like other support links on how to go to the GP most of what Becky touched upon is sort of outlined there but they have a few little extra bits that you can sort of download and maybe shove in your GP's face just to say have a look at this oh they've also got a, an app as well haven't they mm-hmm. a downloadable app me BPMDD I there think, we go something like that yeah <laughs> Well, thank you both so much for joining us today. We'll be sure to share links to everything that we've touched on in the description below. And if you wanted to get involved in the PMDD research happening at the NCMH, the PREDICT project is looking to speak to individuals who have experience or a diagnosis of PMDD or severe PMS. If you think you may be eligible and think you can help us make a difference, please visit the NCMH website at ncmh.info pmdd We've also shared the link in the podcast notes. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Peace of Mind podcast. We'll see you next time.